With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Kelly Barnhill working a no-hitter right now. Again, <laughs> just, just pointing that out. Just reminding you. Payoff pitch. This one right up the middle. It will get through. Around comes KB Sides. She will come in to score. Advancing to third is Skylar Wallace and Kaylee Tao being clutch right up the middle to tie this game. One to one Alabama, Florida. Runners on the corners with two down. There goes the no hitter, Greg. Oh, no. Oh, I'm so bad. sorry. Uh, whoops. <laughs> If another stolen base is imminent, she had a stolen base earlier today. If, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> I would assume it would be. I mean, considering how long it took the catcher Steele to get the ball out last time, yeah. uh, I would be shocked if it's not Steele like, on the first pitch right here. Like Thanos, she is inevitable <laughs> getting the second. Oh, wow. Emily Petek doing her job, Tom. Get this <laughs> crowd fired up. Sydney Littlejohn has the famed rally towels. Excuse me, I beg your pardon. Hit hit puberty there? I guess. I don't know what's happening. This game has (laughs) aged me and also taken me back in years. (laughs) Yeah, no Pac-12 tournament as the 2-1 comes in. A bit inside. Whoa, boy. We need to get the tape out, I think. (laughs) It's 3-1 to Morgan, and I almost got, my head was almost cut off by my own poster board. your own board. Again, I, I can't get over this. SIUE scores one run in the six. How dare they? Alabama's, are you kidding me? No, <laughs> we can't have this. And they put up a four spot here in the seven. This is just whack. Uh, as whack as the kids say. Is that, do the kids still say that? I think so. Okay. I, I used to be one. I don't know. <laughs> I've used I've used the term crunk lately. I don't know if that if that counts. I would say this seventh inning is crunk. (laughs) For sure. Yes. They say postseason Kelly Barnhill is unbeatable, but they say the Titanic was unsinkable and that hunk of metal is at the bottom of the ocean. Bama will have to just take it one game at a time and play their best on Elimination Saturday here in OKC. And both those victories eliminated a team from the WCWS. The first one was a uh, dominating five-inning victory over Florida, eliminating the Gators. And then it was a tension-filled seven-inning affair with Alabama and Arizona, but a 2 nothing Crimson Tide decision. And can I, can I make it full circle? Sure. You and your pregame intro before the Florida game, you made a Titanic reference. I did, yes. And as we wrap up the post-game show, the Titanic song by <laughs> Celine Dion is being played. Uh, I think today was just our day. <laughs> My heart will go on. Oh, yes. And this team will go on as well. Yes. 2-1 is lined to right. That's going to be caught. They'll throw back to first, and the throw pulled the first baseman off. And Claire Jenkins now is caught in a rundown between third and home. The throw is caught by O'Neal. 
and Jenkins is going to be tagged out, and they'll throw back to second, and that goes all the way to the wall. Taylor Clark is going to score easily. What in the world is going on? Here at the Rhodes House, it's 4 nothing Alabama. <laughs> Katie barred the door. I, I have no idea how to describe what just happened, although I think Wait, I was out number three. That was out number three. What okay. the heck is I, going on? I was totally confused by everything that just happened there. Bless you, Tom, for having to do play-by-play on that. No one scored. <laughs> My goodness. Okay, so. Oh, Lord. So, sides. <laughs> I don't even remember what happened. Okay. Welcome in, folks, to the Fall Ball Special of the Out of the Box Podcast, officially episode 13, not season two. Season two will start in February when we get ready for 2020, but we wanted to update all of you on what's going on in our lives, in the lives of Alabama softball, around the country, what's going on, all that jazz, and we are so excited to bring you some more Out of the Box content. I'm Gray Robertson, alongside, as always, my partner, Tom Canterbury. Tom, how are you? Good. I was momentarily blinded by the uh, the diamonds in my uh, championship ring. Yes, my right <laughs> hand is suddenly very heavy. Yes, it's amazing. <laughs> yes, we were we were uh, gifted our uh, SEC championship rings by uh, Coach Murphy and the team earlier today after their big victory over MMI in the final fall ball game of the season, and uh, it was a. Uh, it was awesome. Just seeing all the different people, you know, of course, seeing the team getting the, their rings before, you know, during the Tennessee game, uh, and then the different support staff and the different people connected with the program all getting their rings at different times. It's been, it's been a lot of fun and a lot of fun just, you know, thinking back on what the a special season last year was. Yes, and to get a little serious for a moment, Patrick Murphy, if you're tuning in, thank you so much for this uh-huh, because for sure. how many programs across the country would not have given a ring to the radio guys. Yeah. Most of them, probably. Probably not, yeah, exactly. And for Coach to think of us and so many others in the support staff, it means a lot. And it is a beautiful ring, may I say. Yes. Just the Alabama A just really catches your eye. (laughs) (laughs) Here's your trip around the bases. We're going to talk about Alabama and update you on what went down in fall ball. We've got a lot to discuss about, especially a bunch of new players, including one with a new nickname that we've already come up with. <laughs> that's that's what we. That was the main thing we were doing all fall, all fall so far in off season, <laughs> trying to figure out what our nicknames are going to be. Yes, and we've got a good one. Yes. We will advance to first and go through our first mailbag segment Ooh, yes. called fan mail. Right, and a certain Alabama fan send in plenty of mail for us to answer and i'm excited to talk about all the stuff that's in front of us for sure absolutely then we will steal second go over the 2020 schedule which spoiler alert it's awesome non-conference strength the schedule will not be an issue for alabama this year no we are the kentucky of last year (laughs) this year however you want to phrase it either Mm -hmm. way it's hard Rules change here. We'll talk about what's new in college softball. We'll go over what's happening for Olympics 2020. The U.S. national team roster is finalized and Mm -hmm. a lot of legends on there as well as some big college names that Alabama will not have to face this year. Yeah, that's too bad. Such a shame. Yes. <laughs> they will not be there. <laughs> then we will round third, go through some of the changes in the transfer portal. And finally, we will get to make comments on the shocking departure of Van Studeman at Mississippi State in the yes. offseason. I think that, and well, I know we're going to talk about it, but it, it wasn't so much necessarily that she lost her job. It was the timing around it yes. all happening. Uh, I think we all, we thought at the end of the year, if there was a coach who might be in trouble it, in the conference, it was probably her. But 
it seemed like everything was fine. Everything was good. And then all of a sudden, yeah, so yeah, we'll talk about that for sure. <laughs> yeah, you look at Twitter and all of a sudden, what? What? Things <laughs> have changed in Starkville and not much right. changes there. No, not really. <laughs> it's not a very active city. And then we will head home <laughs> and give our way too early SEC top fives, which will change by the time we do our February 2020 preseason show, I'm sure. We will do an off the wall, off season edition. Which amazingly, there are uh, candidates. How? What are people complaining about? There's nothing happening. <laughs> people complain somehow about softball. People complaining about somehow football, even though they're number one. I don't know, but people are not happy, so we'll talk about them. Then we've got the Tom's Hungry Tuscaloosa edition. We've oh, never done yes. this. No, we haven't. No. But because usually Tom's Hungry is reserved for where we go in our travels during the year. But mm-hmm. I figured we've spent a lot of time around town. Listeners of the podcast might be coming into Tuscaloosa to visit. Okay. So yeah. we'll give a few Tom's Hungry spots around Tuscaloosa at which those folks can eat when they come in to watch softball or do whatever. Well, okay. Yeah, sounds good to me. Should be fun. And then we will wrap things up here for this fall ball special episode, episode 13 of the podcast. So what we have been up to, Tom. Yes. We saw Team 23, as you mentioned earlier, get the rings during the first and second quarter break against Tennessee. It was a great weekend. Everybody was back. Caroline Hardy, Courtney Gettins, all the graduated seniors. Mm -hmm. So many folks around the program came in for that weekend. And it was a lot of fun to see everybody. And kind of a a nice little midpoint from the end of last year to what will be in February when the 2020 campaign starts. Yeah, I didn't say it was great to see everybody. And we even, you know, Blake Gray, the former manager on the team, Morgan Lashley, now the... uh, pitching coach at Wichita State University, who was the, the, the GA on the team last year. And may I say, surprised us. Yeah. I, sh- I had texted her three days before. She had a full, detailed story of why she was not going to be in Tuscaloosa. Uh-huh. And then and there she was. And then there she was. Yeah, got. I mean, had us all fooled so much to the fact I was in bed almost asleep when I got the text that she was out. So it was too late for me because people got to remember I'm old. So once I'm in bed, I'm in bed. It's over. So uh, did not get to see her face to face, unfortunately. But it was it was great to see everybody back and just great way to just kind of put a cap on what was such a tremendous team twenty three and a great season that Alabama had, and hopefully a jumping off point for even somehow bigger and better things this year. We'll see As we have said many times, Team 23 was ahead of schedule. Yeah. And that went well, as mm-hmm. judged by the diamonds <laughs> here in the studio. Right. <laughs> so next year, we've talked a lot in the past about what next year could be. And before we dive into what the roster showed during fall ball, obviously the most devastating news came right before fall ball began. And that was that Claire Jenkins is out for the year, torn ACL, had surgery, but she is on crutches right now in good spirits. But yeah, I mean, just a tough loss. And I, I feel terrible for her because she had been steadily improving every year of her career. She was poised for a real breakout season this yeah. upcoming year. And just to have this happen, it's it's unfortunate and devastating for me as president of the Claire Jenkins fan club. Sure. I'm heartbroken. Yeah, I hate to have to add uh, nicknames that involve injury now than with all the other ones for Claire that you have. Yeah, that was one of those where we, when you got that text and the uh, release was put out, it was just you know, kind of a punch in the gut. You know, the, the one you didn't want to hear. 
uh, obviously someone going out for the year, especially someone like Claire who, and you can tell, you know, it's, it's obviously she's as it would for anybody, you know, it, it gets you down. <laughs> it, it does. When, uh, and then, you know, her being a senior, she can't get a medical red shirt and come back to play in, uh, in 21 if she wants to, but you know, this being a sport where there's not as much of a, a professional sporting life afterwards, uh, unless you're getting the coaching or you want to play in the MPF. So it's not, it's not a definite that she will come back. It's just, you know, it's, it's all up to her. I would, I would think at this point, then the final decision has been made on that. We'll see how the rehab goes and, and how things go in that situation. But, uh, it was, it was tough to see, but, uh, that's kind of the, kind of the nature of sports. Sometimes the surprises happen, the injuries happen, and that's where you have to have the depth and Alabama does have it. Yes. And we'll talk more about that. That's a very common mailbag question. Who fills in for Claire Jenkins at shortstop as she departs for the year, a lot of new faces coming in. The new folks, Lexi mm-hmm. Kilfoyle, Alexis Mack, Savannah Woodard, Carla Heiss, Jenna Johnson, all great names, great, great players from what we've seen so far in fall ball. But the two that you circle, obviously, Lexi Kilfoyle, who we've been talking about for a very long time, mm-hmm. and Alexis Mack, who we were mentioning on the podcast for the first time. We've known about it for a while, and this was kind of swirling around the program for a good amount of time. And after watching her the last couple weekends, my gosh, yeah. the hype does not even do her justice <laughs> how talented she is. Yeah, uh, we uh, we just watch her just uh, fly around the bases. <laughs> uh, when you're able to legitimately say, is she faster than Alyssa Brown? Uh, you know, she's fast. So, I mean, and and she hardly ever gets out. If she, ever. She doesn't get out, doesn't which get is out. why her nickname is... Alexis Never Gets Out Mac. Yes. <laughs> that is her name, right, as it stands right now. She is a grad transfer from Oregon, part of, you know, we don't know all the stuff that went down at Oregon. Just She's just one of those uh, that are that are leaving that program to join Alabama and, and could not come in at a, at a better spot. And also, the fact that she is versatile, you know, she's an outfielder by trade, but she's come in here in the fall ball and played some infield with, with Claire's injuries and some of the other injuries that are going on here in the fall. Uh, so if she's an extra utility type player that you can put in and plug in anywhere defensively, but she's there at the top of the order, either one or two. I guess there's a scenario she can even bat ninth, but I would put her definitely one or two. Absolutely. Uh, that's, uh, that is a huge add uh, for this program. Yeah, you watched her the first fall ball weekend, started off against Pensacola State 4 for 4, mm-hmm. and as you mentioned, doesn't get out. And even when you know she had a few fielder's choices, but she herself never gets out. Right. And when you've got a threat like that on the basis, she will constantly steal. We were talking about Patrick Murphy, I believe last week, and he said he's hoping for about 50 stolen bases from her and also from Alyssa Brown. Right. And that's not impossible. That's not, un- that's not unreasonable to, to want. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I expect it almost. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's going to be uh, outstanding. If, if you have the lineup where you have Alyssa Brown and Alyssa and Alexis Mack one, two at the top of that order, mm. followed by, Bailey Hemphill and or Alexi Kilfoyle. Wow. There's going to be more often than not Alabama is going to be scoring in the first inning. Yes. If, if that is your lineup. And I'm glad you mentioned Lexi Kilfoyle. Let's talk about her. In the circle, we knew what we were getting. We knew we were getting talent. We knew mm-hmm. we were getting a drop pitcher who had a lot of pace. And a lot of international experience as yes. well. Part of, you know, played with Montana and Skyler on Team USA. Yeah, and to watch her against Wallace State, 
Struck out 11 batters. Didn't even feel like that many. No, I was shocked when I heard that. Was yes. <laughs> and then in that same game, I'll tell a little story. I think you stepped out of the clubhouse at this point, but I was talking to Allison Habits. We were talking about Lexi pitching, and Allie looks at me and goes, but you know she can really hit, right? And I said, well, yeah, you know, Murph had mentioned that he wanted mm-hmm. her to hit some. And hmm. Allie looked at me and goes, oh, no, she can really hit. And Allison Habits proceeds to explain the sound yeah. of a Lexi Kilfoyle home run and what that looks like. <laughs> and lo and behold, five minutes later, I heard it and saw it. And teams should be afraid. Yeah. <laughs> especially if, like, we believe in, like, I think the conversation is leaning towards this, especially if she is protecting Bailey in the lineup. Yeah, it's going to be that, – that just gives you that added extra power hitter that Alabama has been searching for. You've had you've had Bailey Hemphill, and you've had everybody else helping out at times, but a consistent power hitter behind Bailey Hemphill is just amazing to have. And, and you know, fairly or unfairly, the similarities are there. Lexi Kilfoyle is going to be compared to Jackie Traina. That's, yeah. I, mean, that's, I mean, that's what it – you know, it's a very similar pitching style. It's a very similar hitting style. Uh, and I know Patrick Murphy's not going to want to compare anybody, but the similarities are there. And she can give to this team what Jackie Traina gave to Alabama in 2012 in that era. There's some, there were some good things that happened. There might be a few more diamonds picked up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, she is a freshman. Sure. Watching today, she had a couple strikeouts. She mm-hmm. struggles a little bit with the off speed, as most power hitters do. She'll grow into that. But from what I've seen in the circle, pretty sharp. And we haven't seen all of her talent yet because I talked with Stephanie Van Brakel Prothro and she said, well, we've got this pitch we still want to work on. And this pitch that she doesn't even have that Steph hopes Lexi right. can throw by the end of the year. Yeah. And again, you throw that into the mix with Montana Fouts, who we know is about to just burst onto the scene and break out and mm-hmm. maybe win player of the year right. along with Sarah Cornell reigning SEC pitcher of the year right and Crystal Goodman who we both think is going to be a just fantastic pitcher in the SEC and I think will be a great reliever in conference play because she has such a different style from any of those other right. main starters teams aren't going to know what to do yeah it's the the depth on this pitching staff is just amazing uh, and you've already heard Patrick Murphy say that he's this is the most this is the deepest pitching staff he's ever had. Yeah, and just and to see that top of the line starters when you're talking about the reigning SEC pitcher of the year is going to be starting midweek games for Alabama at times. That's just it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's almost unfair. It is, but I'm, I'm I, I don't I'm feel not, bad for anyone. I, not at all. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's what you get sometimes. But it's just what a what a pitching staff Alabama has. And you're right with Lexi Kilfoyle at the plate. One of the home runs that she hit here in the in the fall ball. Can't remember which game it was that she hit it, but which is a good thing by the way. Right. That I mean, she hit. It was a laser beam off of the scoreboard that never got more than twenty feet off the ground, but. Like I was worried it was going to put a hole in the scoreboard. It was hit so hard. Even when she grounds out, it sounds like a a, a gunshot. Yes, I mean it's just a, a so such an added element of power this uh, this lineup needs and, and is going to be able to utilize. And it gives Patrick Murphy so many different options on what he's going to be able to do. One for nine in this lineup. Plus, if if she's pitching, that means you're going to have a defensive player that doesn't even have to hit. Right. So if you're having somebody that's maybe struggling struggling at the plate, but you really need their defense, it doesn't hurt you. Yes. 
Yes, and which has been which has been an issue before in the last couple of years. Yeah, right? last couple of years there have been holes in the lineup. There have been people kind of dealing with slumps, that, and it, it, and they weren't especially last year. It wasn't like a season long hole in the lineup, right? It was but a if weekend. someone, if, yeah, if someone's scuffling for a week or two, which can happen, you know, you can say, all right, we need your defense, but you know, just sit sit in the dugout and watch it, and then you know, you're still in the flex. We can still put you in there at some point. It, it gives you something that you haven't been able to have at Alabama. Absolutely. Kind of diving into a couple more of the freshmen we've talked or we mentioned, Savannah Woodard, Carla Heist, Jenna Johnson. Haven't really gotten to see Jenna completely. She wasn't able to hit in fall ball. She was mainly a pinch runner. I think she's going to be really good. Showed a lot of good speed when she went into the game. A little bit unfairly, but I think realistically, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Woodard and Carla Heist. And that's because they're filling in two suddenly missing roles in the starting lineup. Woodard kind of being thrown in there it looks like although the competition obviously is still open but it looks like Woodard is very much in the thick of things to fill in at shortstop for Claire Jenkins Carla Heiss filling in for Reagan Dykes and we'll talk more about what that means mm-hmm. later on according to a mailbag question we got but mm-hmm. these freshmen being thrown in the fire immediately yeah and that's you know that's something that's happened that happens at Alabama well there's several reasons one's because usually even when they come in as freshmen, if Patrick Murphy has recruited you, you're pretty darn good. Right. So you're going to have an opportunity to play uh, right, right away. But also, Alabama has a roster size that's not as big as some of the other teams have in the conference. So you know, if you're going to keep a roster size at the you know about 20, 21 people like Alabama does, like Patrick Murphy likes to do, uh, that means if there is an injury or something, then you know somebody. Young's might can probably gonna have to get in there and play, and that's the situation here. But especially defensively, I don't see there being much of a drop off. Uh, I, I was very impressed with what I saw with Woodard. I, again, it's fall ball. We understand the competition levels. What yes. So you know, and Alabama lost to Al- Auburn Montgomery last year in the fall. Finished third nationally. It's okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I mean, you you take everything that happens in the fall with a grain of salt, but it's still what you have to look at. And I, I was I was pleased with what I saw with her defensively, especially Woodard uh, Heist behind the plate as well. I thought did did pretty well. Yeah, and Heist was able to show off a good bat, hit a home run today, mm-hmm. and I, I think that we'll see how they grow into that role. A couple other people I'd like to shout out from what we saw in fall ball. KB Sides was on fire. Did not play in the final fall ball. Not sure why. Probably just some rest. Yeah. But she looked great at mm-hmm. the plate. Maddie Morgan looked great. Taylor Clark kind of growing into it a little bit more. Sure. I mean, and you're gonna need you're gonna need Taylor Clark to yes. contribute this year. Well, and yeah, because I think the question from last year still remains who's the scary pinch hitter right now Kyra Lockhart will be back she did not play in fall ball but Patrick Murphy has assured us multiple times she will be back and ready to go by the beginning of the year yeah Taylor Clark will need to be in that spot though if she does not start and I think she is in contention maybe to play shortstop I I think and I think she is going to start at least early on especially I think there's going to be some platooning going on uh, until Patrick Murphy finds what the the his main starting nine is going into conference play but yeah I've she needs to be able to come in in a pitch-in situation and get some hits. And I think Kayla Davis as well. Yep. We were with Patrick Murphy for, I can't even remember, they all run together, but mm-hmm. one of the fall ball games, we were in the dugout, and he was really, really watching Kayla Davis intently because you could tell that he really saw something in her, probably like we saw in fall ball last year, like mm-hmm. we saw a lot last season, that told him she could start and she could be a real piece, and he's ready for that to happen 
because I think Kayla Davis is really close. Yeah, I, I agree. There's still a lot of kind of raw talent there with her. Still trying to mold that in. Uh, still kind of a work in progress with her, but would love to be able to see Patrick Murphy go to go to her uh, in pitch-in situations if she's not starting. Also, before we advance to first, just two words, Bailey Hemphill. Yeah. Still really good. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the nation's leader in RBIs from last year, still good. Uh, the uh, the Alabama now single season leader in RBIs as well, uh, Bailey Hempel. And yeah, she is, especially if she has Kilfoyle mm. protecting her so teams just can't, can't walk her. Yeah. I mean, folks, <laughs> if you thought we were messing around when we said ad nauseum last year, Team 23 was ahead of schedule. Yeah. Believe it. I mean, this year, I can't even put into words how special this year is going to be. That's our fall ball recap. We've talked a little bit about what's going on around Alabama. Let's say we advance to first, Tom. Let's go. Who are we? Let's get there. I've, I've, we got. Well, we don't get out. We're Alexis Mack. That's what I say. <laughs> we are Alexis Mack getting on in literally any way possible, right. but still advancing to first. When we come back, fan mail. Ooh. We've got listeners. Are, are they fans of this particular podcast? Possibly, but mainly they're fans of softball. Well, okay, well, then That's, yeah. yes. we'll take what we can get. <laughs> yes, we will. That coming up as we advance to first here on the Out of the Box podcast. Welcome back to the Out of the Box podcast. Gray Robertson and Tom Canterbury here with you. We are advancing to first, and it is time for our first ever mailbag segment yes fan mail Mm -hmm. so we've got here's the thing (laughs) we had a couple people send in a lot of questions and so we we're tabling some questions okay and moving those to future mailbags and i think we'll we'll get we'll do this a lot Mm -hmm. as the season goes through but there were so many good things brought up by a couple of folks that I didn't want to cut anything, so here we are. <laughs> Quality over quantity is what, is what we were doing. Absolutely. Uh-huh. So first, we will go to at Bree Billington 22 mm-hmm. on Twitter. And already, Bree Billington 22 is just diving right in. The question is, what are your official lineup predictions, barring no further injuries? Should, we, should, should I do a, a Nick Saban and just be... And just refuse to put out a depth chart. <laughs> just refuse, be angry about it. Uh, I, I, I think as we mentioned, I think you have to. I think you put Alyssa Brown number one and Alexis Mack number two. Yeah, uh, and then followed with Bailey Hempel at three and Kilfoyle at four and five is where your first real question mark comes in because there's so many different people you could put there. I think you could put Tao there. You could put Skylar Wallace there. You could put KB Sides there. I think those are your three main. Um, Probably number fives. Yeah. I don't know who I lean, though. I kind of lean Tao. Yeah. Because I think KB, as we've talked many times, can kind of do it all. She can slap. She can hit for power. She's been super hot in the last part of last season and also in fall ball. I think if we threw her, we is in Alabama, we is in Patrick Murphy. Right. And if, by the way, Patrick Murphy is not asked us. No, he's not. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> and, nor, nor will he. No, and we will make these predictions many times, and I can guarantee you this order will be wrong. <laughs> that being said, right. 
I look at this lineup and I kind of think of what Georgia had two years ago with Sierra Bryan. Remember, she was mm-hmm. often in the six hole, yeah. kind of as a second leadoff hitter, as we talked about on the broadcast when Alabama played the Bulldogs. For sure. I like KB in that six hole, and I think Tao fits in that five hole because, you know, say Hemphill and Kilfoyle do their jobs and clear the bases or, you know, Kilfoyle drives in runs and you've got somebody on. She's, well, standing, Tao, she's standing on second or exactly. Yeah, right. yeah. Tao mm-hmm. can drive in that run. Or she can take a walk and just keep it going. Mm-hmm. I think five, especially with who's behind her and who's in front of her, five is a great spot for Kaylee Tao. Okay. All right. I, I agree. And I don't think you want to put Tao any lower than five. Right. So if you haven't batted her second, then you're probably going to put her five. Put her five, KB six. Seven's probably Maddie Morgan. I think so. And then um, see who else have, who's, who have we not put in the... Skylar Wallace. Yet? I think Skylar... It's amazing. Okay. So just let me just put this out here. Okay. We, we're... We almost forgot about somebody who was on Team USA, <laughs> or I did. I don't know, if, but but, I was, <laughs> but by the way, Skylar Wallace is there as well. Uh, so yeah, maybe Skylar at seven, Maddie at eight. But if you have Maddie Morgan at eight, that's a heck of an eight hole hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I kind of actually lean Skylar at nine. Sure, because she's got speed, she's got power. We saw what she did in the nine hole a lot last year, mm-hmm. and then I think what you do in seven and eight. I would lean Morgan eight and then eight hole either be whoever's at shortstop right. or Heiss yeah. at, at catcher or somebody else. Again, by the way, we haven't even talked about it, but transferring can still happen from here until the beginning of the year. Yeah, there, there could, could be, be people on this roster we don't even know about at this point. There could be that mystery person just waiting in the wings. The you Kendall Lindemann of Alabama <laughs> of 2020. You never know uh, that that could be happening. But uh, yeah, assuming the, the roster is what it is. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think you put, if you have Morgan at seven, eight being either Woodard or Heiss, and then nine, uh, Skylar Wallace. Yes, and Woodard can also slap. So that's another. Look, there are a lot of ways you can do this, <laughs> yes. and a lot of them will work. Yes. Which is the beauty of it. That's the thing. It's not trying to just find that one lineup that's going to work, because there's a lot of lineups that's going to mm-hmm. work. It's, you know, finding which one's going to work at this particular day against whatever pitcher you're happening to be yes. facing that particular day as well. The next three parts of the question from at Bree Billington 22 all kind of deal with what Alabama will do in the field. Yeah. So let's talk about it. Tau versus Hemphill at first, one part, what the outfield will look like and what short will look like without Claire Jenkins. Let's start at first. As I have said many times, I respect Kaylee Tau. I think she's great in the field, but... I saw a lot of really great highlight plays out of Bailey Hemphill. Yeah. I want to see her at first base next year. Underrated defensive ability at yes. first base by Bailey Hemphill. And I agree. Here's the thing with Kaylee Tao, though, is she's got to play somewhere in the field because that DH spot is being taken up by That's true. Lexi Kilfoyle in all likelihood. <sighs> yeah. So, again, but, I mean, Tao was an outfielder. She until, was, you know, until she was brought in to play first base last year. So you can put her back in the outfield, but who are you going to take out of the outfield now if Kaylee Tao's out there? Well, let's talk about the outfield. <laughs> Here we go. It looks like KB sides him, right? And no one will right. ever be center field besides Alyssa Brown. Alyssa Brown. And Alexis Mack looks pretty certain and left mainly because not only is she a good fielder, but as we've talked about, she doesn't get out. Right. So she's in the lineup. Doesn't yep. matter. Yep. So what, what do you do? Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's hard. There you go. Here, all right, so the way I kind of see it, because you bring up a good point, I think we're going to see a, a situation where Bailey Hemphill is forced to catch some games where Lexi Kilfoyle is pitching. Yeah. Maybe. And yeah. have Kaylee Tao play first, 
And then in games where Fouts or Cornell or Goodman are pitching, you've got Bailey at first and Tal at DP. Not because you want to, but kind of because you have to. I don't want Bailey to play much catcher next year because – Selfishly, I don't want that kind of stress on her knees. I know Patrick Murphy doesn't either, Mm -hmm. but there are going to be times when she will have to just to make sure the lineup works properly. Right. You're trying to find you have more good players than you have spots for them. In the starting lineup, that's amazing that you're in that position now, but that's that's the case right now for for the Crimson Tide. And then finally, finishing up Bree Billington 22's questions, Mm -hmm. shortstop with Claire injured. Yeah. It looks to me like Savannah Woodard is kind of the front runner right there. Taylor Clark's still in the mix. There's a lot of shuffling that can happen, but Maddie we'll Morgan, see. Maddie Morgan can play short. We yeah. saw, especially in the fall ball, which is you see that in fall ball a lot. But uh, you saw Patrick Murphy putting people in different, a lot of different spots to kind of see uh, how they did. And I didn't. No one just look, you know, stuck out like a sore thumb anywhere. So I mean, there's there's sef- different several different places you can put people uh, in this lineup to kind of cover for. I mean, and again. Claire is the best shortstop Alabama has. Yes. So you're, you're trying to just make the best of whatever situation you can make. So, but uh, I agree. I think if, if you had to make the, make it right now, you, your infield, I think your number one optimal infield for Alabama would be Bailey at first, Skyler at second, Woodard at short and Maddie Morgan at third. Yeah. And that's the way it kind of looks to right. me. And, well, again, we'll see. This is why all of you should listen to the broadcast early on when we do radio during the season because we will have to probably decipher what the lineup will look like when we pregame each broadcast. Right, yeah. So it'll be fun. It'll be a nice little jigsaw puzzle of craziness every weekend. And that being the case, I'm hoping by the end of the season, we're able to write down the lineup before we even get it because yes. it, it's become... And that and that's what happened pretty much toward the end of last year. Right. Yeah, I'm expecting the craziness jigsaw first couple weekends as yeah. as Patrick Murphy figures out how does this puzzle piece fit, I think especially with Tao. Mm. Tao's too good to keep out of a lineup. Right. You can't you can't play an SEC series without Kaylee Tao batting every game. Correct. So how he deals with that will be fascinating. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to see it. Thank you at Bree Billington twenty two for your questions. And now our dear friend, past guest and friend of the show. Yes. Sydney Little John. Sydney she's on the Little wall. John. Yes. She's on the wall. She's been she's very good. She is local now, lives in Birmingham. Uh-huh. And we're hoping to see her at the Rhodes House plenty of times this spring. She sent a ton of questions. <laughs> she, she had a whole mailbag herself of questions. So let's dive into some of these. All right. All right. So the first one she's got. How does Lexi compliment Montana and the rest of the pitching staff? We talked about it a little bit, but Lexi has got the best drop ball on the team. Mm -hmm. She's got a lot of pace, and she just provides a different look from Montana. Again, Cornell, a lot of rise. Crystal just kind of goes and does it, and she's got the best changeup on the team. Lexi's working on that, but I think she does kind of fit in with all of the other maybe little things that the other pitchers don't have which is perfect right yeah and there, there's a, a little bit of difference with all of them i think um, amazingly if you if you said all right you have to pick one of these pitchers and she has to go out there to throw a strike she just has to throw a strike i would probably pick crystal goodman really because i i mean i think she can was it the first time the first game that she played for alabama was back in Troy as all those long, long time ago. Wow. I know many, many, many a year, many a year ago <laughs> through 
what was it? 35 pitches and 33 strikes. <laughs> yeah. It was Something some sort like of that. ridiculous. Like she, th- she literally in three innings threw two balls <laughs> and you don't necessarily want a perfect strike to be thrown. That's, that's the thing you want pitchers to be able to hit the corners you want. So that's not necessarily makes her, I'm not putting her ahead of anybody. I'm just saying, right. if you just had to throw a one strike, it might be crystal Goodman. But that being said, uh, with what the different type of pitches that Lexi and Montana can both throw, the speed, the pace that they have, I, I think they are a tremendous one-two punch uh, that Alabama is going to have for the next three years. Yes, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And you know when it's really going to be on display is when we're in Tuscaloosa in May for the SEC tournament. Oh, and yeah. We get to see back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back all of those pitchers and Lexi up against SEC competition and how they look to the opponents that they will face. Yeah, 100%. I, I totally agree with that. And and as I said, you know, we're we're the pitching staff is is so deep. We're down to the point where we're talking about Sarah Cornell maybe starting midweek games. Sarah Cornell can still start in the in the weekend for Alabama. And I think she will start yeah. some conference games for sure as well. Uh so you have four pitchers that any of them can start any SEC. I'd be fine with any of those four pitchers starting on Friday nights in the conference. I agree. Another question from Sydney Little John: Will Alexis Mack be a game changer for us? Well, she doesn't get out, so yeah. Yes, she will. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes, folks. Look, she's. What's her OBP going to be? Four eighty. Is that is that a ridiculous statement? I don't. I I really don't think so. Because knock on wood, she went. She doesn't get called for being out of the box. No, know? she doesn't because she doesn't slap. Right. But she hits balls like a slapper. Yeah. Never seen it. it. It's it's amazing. Very happy that I'm giddy. You know, I'm sorry whatever happened in Oregon happened, but I'm very happy that she's here. We're glad. Yes. <laughs> All right. Another question from Sydney Little John here on Fan Mail, uh-huh. a new segment of the show. Updates on the girls who transferred out last year. That would be Madison Preston and Chloe Anderson. I have not heard anything about Chloe. I have not either. Yeah, I know that there were a couple schools in North Carolina mm-hmm. based on what some girls on the team had told me, but nothing official. So. No. No update on Chloe. Madison Preston, however, we know where she's going, and ironically, it is a team we grew to know very well last year. <laughs> right. They, they spent some time in Tuscaloosa. It is the Sun Devils of Arizona State, so she's heading to Tempe, Arizona, and it kind of surprised me that, that she got that's, – that's where she went. I was, I was frankly quite shocked. Right, because they have – they have a pitching staff there. They had three right. pitchers who threw significant innings last year. That were all coming back. Yes. Their ERAs weren't great, but neither was Madison's. I know. It's going to be, so, I don't know how she fits yeah, in there. I don't, it's just, it, it's odd. I kind of thought that she would be transferring to like a smaller school mm-hmm. where, you know, someone with her skill set uh, being a lanky lefty. That where she could come in and make a huge contribution right away. Right, somewhere, someone in the American Athletic Conference, yeah, along those lines, a Southeast Missouri State, something like that. Right, and uh, that's that's not the way. And you know, we wish her the best. I hope, I hope, hope she does great there. I I hope hope she makes a big difference for Arizona State. But I was kind of surprised that's where she went. I agree. But, uh, you know, knowing how this works, we'll play Arizona State. (laughs) I'm almost 100% positive (laughs) that's going to happen. This year is supposed to be, quote, the year. How much does this team, Team 24, match up to Team 23? I have watched a couple fall ball games. You've watched a couple as well. I Mm -hmm. think you've seen all of them, right? More or less. I've seen parts of all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think the personality of this team 
pretty similar. Yeah, I agree. And I think the talent is similar, if not better, I think in the, every I, position. The talent's, yeah, the talent's upgraded, probably. From a team that won the conference by four games. By and four finished games. third nationally, by the way. Eight seed, though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Farcical. I don't know if I need to get involved in that again. But, yeah. I, and it, <laughs> I think, though, the fact that she mentions, though, and I think this is going to be one of the, the big things that Alabama's going to have to look at this year. This year is supposed to be the year for yes. Alabama. Last year wasn't supposed to be the year. So that was a motivational tactic that Alabama could use, Patrick Murphy could use, that no one was picking them. Everyone was picking them eighth. You know, you were, they, they weren't expected. Now everyone's going to be expecting Alabama mm-hmm. to do well. Uh, I would be shocked if Alabama doesn't get 12 out of the 13 first place votes in like the preseason coaches poll in the conference, things like that. So you're going to have to take a different tact as far as motivation now it's not necessarily proving everybody right, wrong. It's proving everybody right. Right. And think about how many times in various sports we have seen the team who did it last year is coming into the year looking better and faced a lot of adversity. Yeah. I know this year is going to be special and it's going to be great and all that jazz, but I will be shocked if there is not a weekend at some point. I don't know when it will be. But there will be a weekend at some point where we're going to have to come on this podcast and talk about something not working for this team because sure. that's just how it works. That's right. the nature of athletics in, in the college landscape. Yeah, there's definitely going to be the case. There's, you know, if, if Alabama gets through the strength of schedule they have right now, if the non conference schedule, if Alabama is undefeated after that this year, just give them the national championship. Yes. <laughs> and so I add I, to the box. Right. So I can almost guarantee you that's not going to happen. Right. How is how is this team going to respond to that? Because we saw how that how this how the team last year responded to doing really well in the non conference. Mm-hmm. They they still took it one day at a time, one game at a time. Didn't didn't get a big head over it and continued to to come to work every day and, and play. How are they going to handle it if things aren't going? Say there is one of those weekends in the non conference when Alabama loses two, if not three games. What, what how do you respond to that? Right. More questions from Sydney Little John, one of our favorites on the show. Speaking of schedule, how will our strength of schedule put us in the RPI? I, we're going to talk more about the schedule and kind of dive into what it means, but I think this question is fascinating because I remember what the head of the committee said last year that her her comments basically reflected to me that Alabama, despite going undefeated in the non-conference, their ceiling was an eight seed. Right. I see. Which was why it was a farce, but we will continue. Right. I see with this strength of schedule and the teams coming in, probably a basement of nine. And that's if you go six games above 500, seven games above 500 against the top 50 RPI teams. Yeah. If Alabama just takes care of business and loses a handful of those non conference games, it's basically a lock for a top eight national seed as long as you finish around or above 500 in the SEC. Right. Or apparently you could lose every game in the SEC because the <laughs> SEC games don't matter in the overall strength of schedule, according to the people that put this farce of a, uh, <laughs> the seedings together. But that being said, we saw last year, you mentioned Kentucky with the strength schedule they had last year. Yeah. You still got to win some of those games. Right. And that was Kentucky's problem. They didn't win enough of the games in the, in the non-conference, even though they, if, Kentucky had been, you know, had they only lost a handful of those, they would have been number one in the RPI I mean, heck, far if, and away. If Kentucky had won like three of those games, mm-hmm. probably would have been a 10 or 11 seed. Right. They just didn't win very many, if any, of those. Exactly. So it's, I think with the strength of schedule, if 
Alabama does only lose a handful, like you say, I think that puts Alabama one, two in the RPI pretty, pretty quickly, pretty easily. The other big thing on the calendar we're super excited for as we continue with the mailbag segment of the show, mm-hmm. the SEC tournament is in Tuscaloosa next year. Yes. Are you excited to sleep at home, Tom? Could not be more ecstatic. Do you remember what last year was like? We were away from home for yeah. a month. <laughs> we were gone all the time. There were tornadoes in the <laughs> movie theater and construction, which I guess we'll have road construction here. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, we were we spent a long time in Baton Rouge and then uh, College Station. So, yeah, I'm very excited to be able to come home uh, for the SEC tournament. And, you know, again, to harken back, last time the SEC tournament was in Tuscaloosa, 2012, and some other really good things happened. Yeah, I will also, I'm just going to say this. Bet, push all the chips in for Alabama to win that tournament. I, Patrick I, Murphy really wants to win. Sure. When the tournament's here. Yeah, absolutely. The question from Sydney Little John is an all caps alumni weekend SEC tournament weekend question mark. Oh my gosh. And will Murph take us all out on his boat? I don't know, Murph. I don't know. You there? Hmm. Take us on the boat. All I know. A Bama U boat trip would be uh Oh, I, I can see the koozies now. Bama U boat trip with a logo i am i <laughs> all i know is i'm bringing my life my life vest if that happens if i fall overboard the ring's gonna take me all the way down <laughs> it will take you down <laughs> and i'll go down with it because i'm not letting go of that ring finally we'll wrap up the mailbag questions here in the fan mail segment of the show with this from sydney little john what sec series is going to test us and show us how good we really are wow well i mean all of them do do that in some <laughs> form or fashion, uh, for sure. I think the matchup with Tennessee is a is going to be one of those kind of circle the the calendar type uh, matchups. Uh, the matchup in Oxford against Ole Miss will be very interesting yes. as well. Uh, Ole Miss continues to be that program on the rise, so those are both two road conference series that Alabama will play. Uh, this year uh, that will really uh, I think will test Alabama's medal. Yeah, I look at the Tennessee series. That's the second conference series of the year. That you know, they get Arkansas at home before that, and that's after the gauntlet of non-conference tournaments. They've got Texas the weekend before that. We're going to find out a lot yeah. at Tennessee, and I think Tennessee, we'll talk more about that in the final segment of the show, but Tennessee is going to be kind of right there yeah, around the cusp of the SEC upper tier. 100%. Yeah, so I think those are your two with, with the road trips that you have that you're going to deal with. Uh, you got Auburn at home. That's always, you know, that's how you're <laughs> <laughs> Very, very excited for that series. <laughs> Could not be more excited. Uh, I, the ring, I'm telling you, the rings will be out. Oh, then. one go. Yeah. I'm, I want Montana to wear her ring while she's pitching <laughs> against Auburn. So that's it for the fan mail segment of the show. Again, thank you so much, Sydney and yeah. at Bree Billington 22 for sending in questions. We've got plenty more. We'll dive into those. A lot of them were pertaining to things we can talk about during the season. So we will save that and dive more into that in February when season two officially starts. Oh, but Tom, look, mm. we've got the sign. Yes. Do we go? Yes, of course we do. <laughs> well, green, because, light, green light guys. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Green light guys. <laughs> yes. Sir, that's our new 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 nickname. That works. We're gonna steal second, and we're going to do so talking about the 2020 SEC schedule, what rules changes are happening, and what is going down with softball and the Olympics for 2020. All that coming up here on the Out of the Box Podcast. Hey. 
Welcome back. We are stealing second here on the Out of the Box podcast. Gray Robertson and Tom Canterbury here with you. Okay, we've got a lot to talk about, as you know, because you've been listening to the show and we've had so much to discuss. But let's start off talking about the Alabama 2020 schedule. We mentioned during the season finale of season one that the start was a bear. It was going to be hard. Yeah. And boy, will it. (laughs) Yeah. The Crimson Tide will open in Tallahassee, two games against North Carolina, two games against Florida State. What a way, Tom, to really find out what you've got. Yeah, uh, that is a, a tough start out of the gate to play at Florida State. You know, just a, a year or two removed from a national championship are, are the Seminoles. So you got them. And North Carolina is uh, the perennial, you know, second or third best team in the ACC, along with Florida State winning it. So this, you are really, you're jumping in the deep end to start things off. Yes. And then we go from there to Clearwater. Oh boy! Yes, which is now become the the top non conference tournament of the season, just as far as quality depth of of, of teams yes. every year. And it will be the site for hopefully the podcast Palooza with our friends from Seven Innings and right. In the Circle. Wow, <laughs> we're all going to be there. Yes, we're all going to hang out on the beach, get tan, talk about softball. Sounds sounds good to me. <laughs> Alabama will take on Liberty, Washington, USF. UCLA and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State has added a ton of transfers, all of them very talented. USF has Georgina Corrick coming back, who Alabama did not see when the two teams met in Tucson because USF was saving her against Arizona later that night, the day Alabama played the Bulls. Mm -hmm. Washington, UCLA, however, that's interesting because UCLA will be without Rachel Garcia, who made Team USA, and... And Bubba Nichols. And Bubba Nichols, yes. Mm -hmm. And the rumor is, although certainly not official, and I'm not saying this in any official capacity, but the rumor is Washington will probably be without Gabby Plain because she made Team Australia, which also qualified for the Olympics. Yeah. But they're still going to be good. Yes. (laughs) There's still going to be some outstanding teams. And that just in those five, that's three other teams that were in Oklahoma City last year. Two storylines to watch. One... It will be fun to play UCLA and probably face Megan Faramo, who was on the national team with Montana Fouts. Mm-hmm. Faramo and Fouts pitched together a lot, and Skylar Wallace, I'm sure, faced Faramo a good bit in practice. So that'll and, be fun. Yeah, and Fouts and Faramo were both at the yes. US, in the U.S. trials as well. So I really hope it, it ends up where those two are facing each other. And, you know, just again, it depends on how the schedules, how everything works out, but I, I hope that that's the case that they're. That, Maybe they're set holding people back. Yes. We're going to be able to have that matchup. The other big storyline by what day is that? February 13th. We might already know our all name team winner because oh. Silent Rain Espinosa for Washington will be, hopefully, yeah. if she plays, will be red on the praise. <laughs> if Silent Rain gets in the ball game, <laughs> I really will find it hard to believe that she will be defeated uh, in her quest to. Uh, take the reins from uh sissy pantastico as your uh, all-name team champion oh man it's that's <laughs> i can't wait that's my favorite word document to keep during the year right by You've, the way sissy's real first name 
was Chardonnay. Chardonnay, which would have been a great name without Sissy. Just Chardonnay fan Fantastico wins it as well. Of course. Yeah. Yes. Just throw in the nickname and yeah. it's, I mean, we'll send you a, a bread basket or whatever. Yeah. A lay. I'm not sure. <laughs> She's got plenty of those. But sure. speaking of Chardonnay. Hey, oh, yes. She transferred to Louisville. And yes, oh, she did. Look. Oh, look. Here, look, there they are. <laughs> Louisville's on that? the schedule. <laughs> a team that I legitimately think could be second best in the ACC. They're bringing basically everybody back. Lost a transfer in Snyder, one of their pitchers, but Harris goes there, adds a different kind of element. She really came on at the end of the year. It's going to be a tough weekend. And also, of course, a Friday game against Wichita State, which will be a fun reunion for us with Morgan Lashley. Yeah, great to see uh, Coach Lashley oh, coming, wow. coming back in. Uh, and uh, the you know we'll have to pe- uh, bring out the uh, pronunciation guide for Penn State as well. <laughs> So very excited. That's a deep cut right there. (laughs) (laughs) Very excited for the Nittany Lions to come in. Then two games against Arizona, another tournament. Also, you've got McNeese State, pretty, pretty, usually pretty good good. team in the Southland Mm -hmm. and UT Arlington. So no slouch that weekend either. Last time Arizona came in, uh, they came in for a uh, tournament. uh, It was 2015 and Alabama Won one of the games pretty easily, but the other one was a last, you know, last play of the game walk off victory for Alabama. So, uh, really looking forward to seeing uh, the Wildcats, especially after what Alabama did to them last year. I bet the Wildcats are pretty excited to come back in and try to make up for that. Yes, and I'm sure Montana Fouts is salivating at the <laughs> thought of going against those bats once again. <clears throat> Keep in mind, last year against Arizona, two complete games, mm-hmm. zero earned runs, zero extra base hits. Wow. And, and I think really the fact that Alabama, I know we talk a lot about and rightfully so, and I will talk about it forever, beating Florida 15 to three and eliminating the Gators from the world series. Do you remember that? I remember that pretty well. Kelly Barnhill going less than an inning. I remember that whole thing, but I don't think enough is made about the fact that Alabama came back later that day, mm-hmm. late at night and played a totally different game against an offense as dominant as Arizona's is and won a game two nothing against yeah. them. Uh, I think that that should be that should be celebrated as much as the win over Florida. And I cannot wait to see those teams do battle again in Tuscaloosa. Remember, all these games are here. Yeah. So all you folks in the Tuscaloosa area listening, you can come and watch the home schedule in the non-conference is great. Yeah. And it closes out really with two big things. You've got one more tournament with BYU yeah, and but- Texas there, which again, hello, Longhorns. We saw you last year in Supers. Welcome back. And, you know, we're going to see Shailen O'Leary, right. who was superb, and also a senior Miranda Ellish, right. which I'm sure she, I have not checked on her recovery. She obviously suffered that horrific injury in supers, but I assume she will be back and ready to go and probably pitching pretty angrily and yeah. wants to win. I would not be shocked if Texas is a top 10, if not top five team when they come in here. Would you feel comfortable right now saying Texas is a World Series team? Yes, and that will also, you're a little bit also alluding to, I've started to write them down already, uh, our landmine gold mines. Yes, coming there, in February. There may be Stay a tuned. reference to what's going to happen in the Big 12 mm. from oh. Tom Canterbury. Oh, I love it. I I'm, mm. I know what it is, but I, <laughs> I love the thought. Yes. And then, oh, by the way, let's let's sneak in a couple other things. One, you've got 
An April 15th Wednesday midweek game in Tuscaloosa against the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana. Oh, wow. Which looks like a top 15 team at worst mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. That, that's quite the midweek battle. Yeah. Between, you know, sandwiched in between a matchup with LSU <laughs> and then traveling to Ole Miss. I mean, wow. Patrick Murphy, what are you doing? <laughs> but I love it. It's it, entertaining for us because sure. we, we're not going to have. We're not going to have to dive into the B material very much, no. frankly, this year. No. Every game is going to be a challenge. And there will, I will be stunned if there are many of the uh, the quick five inningers either. I mean, it's going to be yeah. a lot of really good games. Yes. And before we dive into conference play, how about March 31st? Yes. If you have not gotten your tickets, are they on sale? They should be, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Get them. Now, do it. Shut us off. Pause us. <laughs> Go get these tickets for Team USA and Alabama performing an exhibition match at Rhodes. It yep. is going to be the event of the year. Yeah, could not be more excited for that to come in, uh, for them to come in and to see this team. First of all, the historic nature of the 2020 Olympic team because softball being put back into the Olympics after being gone uh, for a few cycles. And then just going to be so I think it's it's going to be like one of those moments where you kind of get a tear in your eye mm-hmm. to see uh, Haley McLeany running out to center field yes yeah it's going to be great right in front of her picture on the wall making a diving catch and I assume Haley's going to make a diving catch at some point probably stealing a, a hit away from Taylor Clark because <laughs> that's the way that usually goes I really cannot wait for that matchup it is going to be so much fun We've already been told, more or less, that Alabama's... Again, it's an exhibition. This doesn't count. Alabama's going to throw all four pitchers. We're probably going to see pretty much everybody on the roster play against Team USA, which we're going to dive into in just a moment. I mean, the history. It's going to be so much fun. I mean, how cool it would be to say Cat Osterman is on in the circle at at Road Stadium. I was talking to Stewie Moore today, and I said, I just realized I'm going to have to make a board... With Haley McClinney, Kat Osterman, Monica Abbott, yeah. Rachel Garcia on a half. <laughs> right. I mean, that's crazy. Yes. I'm so excited. Very excited. Really, really looking forward to that matchup. It's going to be amazing. That is March 31st. Be there. Just do it. Uh, thank us later. <laughs> right. Conference play. Here's how the slate goes down. Arkansas at home. At Tennessee, South Carolina at home. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited for that, man. You know who's not there? I, I do know who's not there. <laughs> Dixie Rayleigh. Poor, Dex, poor Dixie Rayleigh. She's moved on. Mm. I hope her career is going well, but I'm glad she's not wearing the garnet anymore. <laughs> right. She'll then, probably be a grad assistant for them, and this will be here. You never know. <laughs> probably, knowing our luck. <laughs> then at Mississippi State, LSU at home, at Ole Miss, Auburn at home, and at Missouri. It's not easy, no. but it's also not as difficult as it could have been. No, it's actually when you look at it from top to bottom, the schedule last year that Alabama won the conference by four games with was probably tougher than this one is just from top to bottom. Oh, yeah. And the fact that you have a team like South Carolina, part of the fact is you had to go to South Carolina made that so much tougher. The fact that that, that is a series that you're going to have at home. You're going to have Arkansas at home. The, the, those, are, those are the type of series where if you're on the road, you're worried about them stealing a game or, or maybe stealing the series. Um, might not be as worried about it. Now, again, I mean, any sweep that you get in the conference is, is a big deal. So, but it's, uh, I, I think this is a little bit more manageable of a conference schedule than you might have had last year. Yeah, because 
You are missing Georgia. Yep. You are missing Florida. Those are the two big ones, in my opinion. Now, we'll probably play both of them in the conference. Oh, tournament. we'll lock in Florida. I mean, <laughs> for real. Yeah, 100%, yes. Alabama and Florida will play at some point next year because they, they played every for the year. last 98 years, <laughs> right. which is somehow possible. I, I look at the road schedule at Tennessee, at Mississippi State, at Ole Miss, at Missouri. Challenging, but there are also some sweeps in there. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Yeah. I think at Mississippi State, and we'll talk more about that later, has a real chance for a sweep. And the home schedule, I think, honestly, in conference play, you should not expect more than three losses overall at home. I'd be shocked if you got more than three. Right. That's the thing. You know, you look at what happened last year. Alabama got four series sweeps, mm-hmm. and two of them were on the road. Right. That hardly ever happens. No. So... I think it'd be a lot to expect that again. But like you said, I think you have to take care of your business at home. And then just like any year, take care of your business at home and try to steal some on the road. So we mentioned Team USA and who will be coming in just just a little bit. But here is the list of some of the greatest players in America, softball, all that jazz, history, which is why, when you think about it, it was really, it's one of those things like in the award shows when they say it's just, it's an honor just to be nominated. Mm-hmm. It was an honor for Montana Fouts just to get invited to these trials. 30, 30 names. Right. Yeah. And that's, and was, Montana Fouts would have had to have absolutely pitched out of her mind. And some of the all time greats would have had to have had subpar weeks <laughs> for, to, for her to really have a legitimate chance to make this team. Yeah. And I mean, just, just the, the fact that she was able to be a part of the trials with this, with this group is just, it's going to do a lot for her moving on. Absolutely zero shame on not making this roster. No, we're, we're extremely proud of her. And we talked to her a little bit about it and she said the experience was incredible. Mm -hmm. Here are some of the people you will see on March 31st, Monica Abbott. Mm -hmm. I mean, do we, I shouldn't even have to say any more. But Monica Abbott, Allie Aguilar, who has played in Rhodes. Remember yes. our first year together, she came oh, with Washington. I, I, and I remember. Hit a yeah. first pitch solo home run. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> That's why she's on Team USA. <laughs> right, yes. A couple other big ones. Rachel Garcia. Alabama may not face her when she's you know off of UCLA when Alabama and the Bruins meet in Clearwater, but I bet we see her a bit in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. So yeah, that'll be fun. fun. Yep. Haley McClenney, of course. Deja Molly Polo. We've seen her. Molly Polo. <laughs> Which means that she won't be playing for Arizona when the Wildcats come in. That's true. Good point. Bubba Nichols. Aubrey you mentioned Mon- UCLA. Aubrey Monroe, who we've, we've seen a lot of. Yes, Aubrey Monroe. Yeah, from Florida. Florida grad. Kat Osterman. Yes. Which I, I don't know if she's ever played at Road Stadium. She's been there. We saw her right. at Supers last year. But We've I, met her. We've talked to her. She's yes. there with her with her best friend, Emily Pitek. But I don't know if she's ever pitched at Rhodes. We need to look that up. But I, I, We will check that. I really don't think she has, though. We'll find that out. We've got yeah. a lot of time. <laughs> take, yeah, there's some time to do some research. Yes. And a couple others. Kelsey Stewart, Janie Reed, Delaney Spalding. Lots of other names. You can look it up. The roster is available. But a lot of talent. A little surprising. And I kind of wish she'd made the roster. No Kalani Ricketts on the main roster. I don't know how the replacement players, how that works, and if she would travel there. Right. But it, it would, would be, be cool. kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, of course, Kalani Ricketts, the Oklahoma pitcher that Patrick Murphy and Alabama beat to win the program's mm. lone national championship. 
But again, that shows you how unbelievable this roster is. Kalani mm-hmm. Ricketts is an alternate. She's a replacement player. And she's not just a pitcher like Abbott right. and Osterman. She can hit too, and she's very good. <laughs> mm. I, I foresee a gold medal in the future for this team, by the way. I, I don't if, know. I'm going to go ahead and go out on that limb. RIP Japan. I know they're hosting, <laughs> but come right. on. It's, yeah. it's not going to happen. Yeah. Before we round third, it was a rules change here, Tom. Oh, good. And things were addressed. One not, of the which, thi- not the things that should have been addressed. No. But some things were addressed. No one. There was nothing done about out of the box. Nothing. <sighs> just have to keep banging the drum. Should be a strike. Yeah. Should be a strike. That's yeah. all we'll say. Uh-huh. They've made some adjustments to bat testing, which will go in by 2021. There's a new machine. It's very expensive. It's going to take some time for some programs to get it. We won't talk a lot about that. Yeah. Um, main, and there's a new thing with pitchers, too. That's something we might have to ask Stephanie Van Brakel Pro throw about because it's very convoluted and neither of us have pitched in softball. No. So I'm not going to even try and understand what that means. Yeah, it was, I, I didn't really understand the previous rules, so I'm not <laughs> yes. going to understand these rules probably. So we'll just the, kinda... the big one is review, which is, you know, we saw it in the SEC tournament, a panel voted on it, allowed conferences to experiment with video review in conference play games and conference tournament. We saw it in the SEC tournament. I would probably guarantee we'll see it in the regular season and a list of things that can be reviewed same as the SEC tournament batted ball fair and foul ground rule double and home run fair and foul a spectator interference scoring plays at home uh, obviously obstruction a part of that mm-hmm. hit by pitch calls placement of runners safe tag plays all that jazz not out of the box not a legal pitch again it would be tough to review that but I think this helps this yeah. is going to be, and it, I'm interested to see how much it plays a factor in some of the critical conference series we'll see. Yeah, and I think when you were looking at it, because we saw some conferences go with the video review, we saw com- some conferences going with the four umpires instead in lieu of video review having an extra umpire out there. And the extra umpire actually did better than I thought it would. I agree. I, I thought, you know, I, I think it overall did pretty well. But the thing that I kept seeing, which, uh, and when you look at it, it's more of an even uh, just optics was when the Little League World Series has instant replay mm-hmm. and college softball doesn't, it makes college softball look bad. Yes. So I understand the want and the need to have instant replay for college softball. The problem that we saw was when they had instant replay with college softball, they still got the call wrong. Yeah. Which, more more often than I would have liked. And that goes to the point I made when we were talking to Jen Schroeder. I think they should do it like football. Have the person in the video booth make the call and tell the umpires this is what it is. It either is overturned or stands. Not yeah. have the umpires make the judgment themselves. No, Because yeah. they had their chance. Right. And 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 so they're not. It's, you, we're kind of seeing it in the NFL this year when they made per, uh, pass interference yes. reviewable. And I don't think there have been one overturn of it since they started. We're in like week nine. I haven't seen any, and I watch right. a good bit. Yeah. So I don't. I, I I think you're seeing a case where umpires don't want to overturn their own call, which doesn't make any sense to me because I think that makes you look even worse. I agree. If you, if something happens in, in real time and you make a judgment and then you're able to slow it down and see that the judgment might've been a little bit off. I think saying, I don't think anyone's going to think the less of you 
if you say, all right, we're going we're to overturn this, then I think people think the less of you if you are going to stubbornly stick with a call that you got wrong in the first place. And maybe one day, who knows, maybe one day out of the box will be addressed. Maybe. Maybe. Until then, we will continue to pound the drum mm-hmm. and beg, please, please, please change the rule. Right. right. If it's going to, especially if it's going to be as strictly called as just having a toe out of the box and like that, then there's no reason for that to be an out. That should just be a strike. Yeah. Before we go, I will add, I, as I've mentioned, I was listening a lot to many of the out of the box calls that happened against Alyssa Brown, against KB sides, and probably about 70, 60% of them, maybe more were single toe over the line or just the incorrect call. And yeah. I think that, and that's just Alabama games. Mm-hmm. That's the frustrating thing for sure. Yeah. And I think that has to be addressed. Yeah, I agree. So that is us stealing second. Now it's time for us to round third and talk about what in the heck was going on with Van Studeman and Starkville. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I don't know, but... I don't know if they knew before all this was going on, but they certainly don't know now. We had no clue last time we were in the studio, let no. me tell you. Nope. That coming up as we round third here on the Out of the Box Podcast Fall Ball Special. Welcome back. We are rounding third. Here on the Out of the Box podcast, Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury here with you. Follow us on Twitter at Out of the Box underscore pod for all the latest updates on what is going on, including when we will launch our 2020 preview. Season two is around the corner, Tom. When will season two drop? I feel like we're a, ne- a Netflix show. Basically. Like when, <laughs> when will, you can't necessarily binge us as much as you can in Netflix. You can go back and binge last year if you wanted to. Which I have done. I've done. I'm going to go out on a limb. You may be the only person in America who has done that. There are some great moments. My favorite <laughs> podcast moment yes. is, first off, obviously, the farcical rant oh. is historic. But also, at the end of that podcast... We're about we're wrapping up and you go, oh, by the way, we never talked about the end game situation. And then we talked four more minutes about <laughs> almost getting blown right. away in a theater in College Station. <laughs> what a time to be alive. What a time to be. And thank goodness we still are after that one. <laughs> yeah. I, I um, remember looking down at myself. I was like, oh, tornado warnings. Hope, so, we're, I hope everything's going to be all right. And, and there goes and there goes the power. Frantic texts from Kate Harris and Stephanie right. Van Brakelperth are, are you in the hotel? Come to the lobby. <laughs> no, oh, gosh. We are not. I'm uh, wanting to see if we can save the world from Thanos, from goodness sake. <laughs> we talked a little bit in the season finale of season one about the transfer portal, some of the big names. Obviously, a lot has been confirmed since then. Mm-hmm. And a big coaching change. Van Studeman is out. She was at Mississippi State for a good amount of time mm-hmm. and had legitimate success there. And amid many stories, I've heard probably four or five different narratives about the reasoning she was let go. And Samantha Ricketts is the new coach of the Bulldogs. Yeah. And um, I, as we talked about earlier on here in this podcast, I think of, of the 13 conference coaches, I think her seat was probably the warmest. Mm-hmm. But I agree with what Patrick Murphy said at one point last season. He thought that every team in the league had the best coach they'd ever had right now. Right. Uh, going. And I think that's still the case. You can definitely make the argument that Van Suderman's the best coach Mississippi State's ever had. Now, the, the history's not that great. 
<laughs> in no. Sartville. So I mean, the bar wasn't that high, but you know, she, she made a team at Mississippi state who was a perennial NCAA tournament team, which is a, something to be said. Yeah. Uh, did about as well as I think you could do in Sartville at that time. Now, like everybody else in the conference, they have continued to make facility upgrades and have, have continued to buy in from their uh, athletic department to uh, do well in softball. I think Samantha Ricketts is probably going to do as well, if not better, than Van was able to do. I don't think there's going to be too much of a difference having with her already been on the staff to begin with. Right. Uh, I, I see them going along a similar similar trajectory than what they already had going. And it seems to me like there were reasons why the move was not made earlier on. Mm-hmm. And Cohen at Mississippi State kind of he had to be convinced of it a little bit, from what I was told. And now uh, we'll, it's wait and see. And I, yeah. I really don't know what Mississippi State's going to look like either because as we've talked about, Fale Lua, Mia Davidson, Emily Williams, all back, everything else around them, it's it's not the best core of players. Right. No Cat Moore, no Heimberger. A lot of talent is gone from that team. How about some transfers? Yeah, there were some of those. Yes, a couple from Auburn, including a big surprise. Taylor Snow played short for yeah. the Tigers. Going to Oklahoma. I don't know where she fits in there. Now, OU's losing some seniors, but yeah. there must be a reason why she wanted to leave because her sister, Tannen, still at Auburn. Yeah, very, very interesting what's going on there. And talking of, of hot seats, I think the seat may be the warmest on Mickey Dean here this year. Really? More conference. than Joe Evans. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, maybe. Okay, Joe Evans probably the hottest but I think I think Mickey's is warm. It's pretty pretty warm because I think when you're talking about the least talented overall rosters in the league, Auburn's is in that conversation. Yeah, I mean they've got a couple people coming back, but no Michaela Martin, no Taylor Snow now, and also as we mentioned earlier, no Chardonnay Harris. Right. And they come here. Yeah. Yes, they do. Very excited for that to, to happen, as I mentioned before. Her going to Oklahoma, though, raises a different issue with the transfer portal, I think, is that you're going to see, and we've we've seen it, and we you've always seen it. Patrick Murphy's talked about this. The, the, it's not new with the transfer portal. It's just a little bit more public yeah. with the transfer portal. But you're seeing these kind of the blue blood programs being able to add to their to their programs via the transfer. The rich get richer. Right. Yeah. Yep. We'll see how much she plays. Frankly, I have not studied the OU roster, but that time will come because we will play them in Oklahoma City. Right. Just write it down. Sure. Uh, if, she, if she is able to crack that lineup, I think that, that... Does that say more about her or about Oklahoma? And I think it may say a lot about Auburn. Yeah. If, you're able, if, you're, if you have a player on your team that can start for Oklahoma and you can't keep her happy at... at where you are with her sister, with her on, the sister roster. on the roster with you what what what's going on there mm, you you might be right about mickey dean yeah well i'm sure that will come up in a mailbag at some point or we'll just talk about it yeah because the <laughs> sec it's been a while since we've seen legitimate hot seat talk you really don't see it in softball very much but i think the sec right. is in such a unique position we have to discuss that more this year with some of the weaker teams because there has Everyone in the league, you have divvied up the resources in your athletic department for everyone in this league to be at the top of the league. Yes. But everybody can't be at the top of the league. And also, expectations have changed. Yes. Just making it to the tournament is not good enough not anymore. Not good enough. Because that's what happens when you go seasons where everyone makes the tournament. Yep. 
So it's the nature of the beast. So the question becomes, if you don't make the tournament, well, what's wrong with you? Yep. Speaking of what's wrong with you, <laughs> I remember I went back and listened to the season one finale and I said, well, you know, I really like Georgia because mm-hmm. they've got blah, 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 blah. And most importantly, Allison Febri coming back. Yeah. Psych. <laughs> she is going to Oklahoma State, so we're going to see her. We will see her, right? <laughs> because, of course. Of course. But sure. Allison Febri no longer in Athens, and that is a huge, huge loss. That may be one of the biggest, if not the biggest, loss of a conference team losing somebody transfer-wise. Because they really weren't losing a lot more besides DiCarlo and Kylie Bass. Right. But... You know, when because when, Febri would have been one that they were going to kind of build the offense around, right? With the Carlo being gone, but yeah, just an extra added loss there. I'm kind of that's another one. I'm kind of surprised if you're Lou Lou Harris Champer, how do you allow that to happen? I don't know. I mean, there there had to be something, sure. So but, and, you know, we don't know the stories, no. but boy, that's that'll be tough to deal with in Athens, and that's a team that was probably one of the two or three strongest contenders to. Right, unseat Alabama, and, and from their point of view, they're looking at their schedule. We don't have to play Alabama during the regular season. Right, we we can you know if we take care of our business, we can we can maybe sneak ahead of them, you know without without ever having to play them. And now you know, I'm not saying they still can't do that, but it's definitely going to be a, a more of an uphill climb without Febri. Another big one we referenced it in the finale, but it's official now, so we're going to see her. Kaylin Arnold leaving Tennessee and going to Florida State. Yeah, well, I would assume we'll see her either the first or second day of the season. Yeah. <laughs> we, we will take on Kaitlyn Arnold. Um, and that was a shocker when we first heard that one. Again, another contender in the SEC loses a huge piece. Yeah. I was considering Tennessee as my number two pick in the conference. And then Kaitlyn Arnold gone. Yeah. It's that's That really just leaves Ashley Rogers in terms of experienced pitchers. And she's just a sophomore. And that was the one place where t- Tennessee is going to was saying when you you have the you have a pretty pretty much a good you have good depth pitching wise with Kaylin Arnold, but then you lose her, and that's 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 tough. That's a tough loss. Yeah. Speaking of light rosters, Bailey Klingler leaving Texas A and M, which didn't have a lot to begin with. Right. Yeah. They're bringing in Craig Snyder, good coach, but Klingler goes to Washington. I'm not again. I haven't looked at the Washington roster. It's going to be kind of tough to see where she fits in there. But, I mean, A&M, it's – I don't know what you do. And this yeah. is not the only player leaving. There are a couple others. Apparently, Caitlin Alderink, who, quote, left the program before last season, has now announced she's transferring somewhere. So, Man. I don't even know. She just didn't want to play last year, I guess. Or I don't know if it was a personal thing. But either way, people are trying to get out of College Station. That is not a good sign. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the main reasons why the SEC changed their rule to put all 13 teams to make their make the conference tournament is because it looked like, and it probably would have happened, where A&M would have hosted the tournament and not or not been in it. Yep. Just uh, just what a what a loss for that. And, and it really, I don't know who else is good on Texas A&M's team. I mean, Kelby Fortenberry. Yeah. And Kendall Potts against Alabama. But right. that's, yes, that's true. You're right. Uh, man, so that's that is a uh, that's going to be a huge uphill climb for uh, Joe and in, in College Station. There, that's that's a tough loss. Yeah, and boy, speaking of losses, the Big Ten just keeps letting players go to Florida. <laughs> I don't <laughs> any, know why. Any good player in the Big Ten, well, they'll they'll get good in the Big Ten and then go to go to Florida. 
Charlotte Eccles leaving mm-hmm. Michigan State. We saw her last year. She was pretty good. Yeah. She was on that Team USA with Fouts and Wallace and Kilfoyle in the summer. She goes to Florida. And we're going to talk a lot about Florida this year. Mm-hmm. We always do. They will be a heavy portion of the SEC preview when we go into season two. She makes Florida better. Yeah. Because when you're looking at what Michigan State had, they didn't have anybody other than Eccles, pretty much. Oh yeah, when they came came to Tuscaloosa, and you, th- those are those type of things, though. Again, with the transfer portal, where if you're a if you're a program or a team, a conference like the Big Ten, you almost don't want to have elite players because you know you're not going to keep them for four years. You you know, if you're a mid major team, it's it's tough to have a real elite player that kind of emerges, a late bloomer that'll emerge. It's hard to keep them in your program for four years because there is always uh, a chance for them to transfer out to a bigger, better program. Mm -hmm. And that's what you saw happen uh, for Michigan State with Charlie Eccles going to Florida. And then a couple big, well, really only one huge national one, Mm -hmm. and that was Mariah Lopez, who we saw in the Women's College World Series, leaving Oklahoma to go to Arizona. And that means, guess what? We'll see her this (laughs) year. We'll certainly see her. And you saw Arizona, you know, losing McQuillan. Well, who's going to be... You know, what's what's going to be their pitching situation? Well, just stick right, stick Mariah Lopez right in there, and they don't miss a beat. And Lopez is a senior. They've got Alyssa Denham, who we saw in the World right. Series. She'll be a senior. Yeah. So you've got two very talented senior leaders in the circle, and right. that's what you want if you're Arizona. A lot of talent, and that kind of will help because they're going to take a little bit of, dip, of a dip offensively with Molly Pola not being on the team. So, you know, you'd have to make up for that sometimes in the circle. That puts them in the Pac-12. Them in Washington still going to be just fine. That's it for the known transfers, the big ones, SEC and national-wise. But guess what? There's somebody out there. There's that player to be named later that's always available, so we'll see. Someone will move mm-hmm. maybe to Tuscaloosa. I, we don't know. We legitimately don't know. Mm. We're not being cryptic. We really don't know. We have no clue, but maybe. <laughs> I mean, there's still people out there who haven't picked a school yet, so we'll see. But that's always something fun to watch in the offseason. Let's say, Tom, we head home. All right. I'm ready to go put this ring back in my box and put it on a shelf for all to see. Got a, got a nice spot on the mantle ready for it when um, I get home. Me too. Let's do that now. We're heading home here on the Out of the Box Podcast. Coming up, top fives in the SEC, off the wall because... Some people just don't know when to quit. And Tom's Hungry, the Tuscaloosa edition, plus a special announcement for what we will do between this podcast and the start of 2020. That coming up on the other side as we head home here on Out of the Box. Well, it's time for us to head home here on the Out of the Box podcast. Let's review shall we? We started at the plate, talked about fall ball, everything going on with Alabama, some of the new faces. That was a lot of fun. Then we advanced to first and did our first fan mail segment, Tom. Mm-hmm. Thank you, fans of softball. You're right. Who also listen to this show. Not necessarily <laughs> fans of this particular podcast, but of softball in general. Then we stole second, talked about the 2020 schedule, the Olympics, and some of the rule changes. And then we rounded third and discussed the transfer portal plus the coaching situation at Mississippi State. And now, let's head home, Tom. All right. Are you ready to dish out your way-too-early SEC Top 5? 
Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's start at number one. Alabama. Yes. Yes. Good call. We talked about it a little bit last year in the finale, but so many other teams in this league have question marks. And Alabama, Alabama didn't. They kind of have one now with the shortstop situation. Right, and a little but, bit at catcher, but yeah, I, I mean, mean every every team has a few question marks. Every team certainly right. has more than Alabama does. Right, one hundred percent, and it's not close. Yeah, like I said earlier, if I, I would be shocked in the uh, preseason coaches poll things like that for the conference, if Alabama doesn't have twelve of the thirteen. Yeah, you know, first place votes, and the only because Patrick Murphy can't vote for his own team. Who yeah. do you think he would vote for? Florida? No, no, I don't know. I, I think, could see Georgia. I bet he would pick somebody not on our schedule. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would think probably Georgia is yeah. probably who he'd pick. But I don't. I, again, we don't know, no. <laughs> and he won't tell us. No, we'll, try to, we'll try find to, out when it's yeah, released. Try, try to guess what Patrick Murphy's thinking, and you'll be wrong <laughs> pretty much all the time. So, speaking of Georgia, could they be Tom your number two? They could be, but they're not going to be. Okay, who's your number two? I'm going to put Tennessee at number two. Really? Yeah, because I I think again, um, it's it's how they're able to uh, make up for the loss of Kalen Arnold in the circle. If they're able to uh, do that, I think they have enough offensively and enough enough depth that I think they'll be number two in the conference. Okay, I, I like that. I'm super intrigued to see how they solidify their lineup with Ali Shipman back. Right. We talked a lot about how defensively last year they just couldn't figure out what to do without her. Mixing people up, constantly moving people around the infield, it just didn't work. Yeah, and that that was really the turning point in their season was losing her. That was a World Series team with her. I agree. Mainly because of the stability that she brought, not even just because of her talent, and she's still really good. Right. My number two, Tom, I'm going with Georgia. All right. I like the offense, although losing Allison Freebury made it a lot tougher for me. Mm-hmm. But I like their pitching staff. I think we've talked a lot about her, but I think Mary Wilson Avant is ready to take the next step. You've got good bats. I'm excited to see what C.J. Landrum does, given a real chance to play in the SEC, because she didn't really get that last year. So I've got Georgia number two. I'm going to go at number three. I'm going to go LSU. And okay. Can you put LSU at number three? Because I think that they are kind of a team that seems to do a little bit better when they don't have the expectations, when people aren't necessarily talking about them. And and I don't think anyone's expecting them to be bad by any stretch. But I don't think anyone's necessarily talking about them being at the top. Um, I don't. I, I think they were a better team than they showed at the end of last year. They don't lose a whole lot. You know, they've lost uh, some in the circle, but overall, you know, I, I think they're going to be good enough to be number three. LSU is also my number three. As we've mentioned, what do you do about the Sanchez's? Amanda Sanchez was great, and then she wasn't. Right. Shamaya Sanchez was really great in conference play, kind of tapered off at the end. My real question about LSU is, A, can Aaliyah Andrews continue to be awesome at the top of the order? Might right. be the best leadoff hitter in the conference until mm-hmm. Alexis Mack rolls in. <laughs> and then... Number two, can Beth Tarina continue to develop the young pitchers? Right. I will stand by various times I've made the comment that I think Shelby Wickersham is the best pitcher on that staff. And they just didn't trust her. They didn't go to her in the big moments. And I think if Beth Tarina can continue to develop her, LSU could challenge Alabama. But it's a tall task. Yeah. And And that pitching staff did not 
have great weekends. They would have mm-hmm. a great game, maybe great right. two games, yep. but they never look good for an entire weekend in conference play. My favorite weekend they played in the conference was the last one. But uh, <laughs> they did not look good then. <laughs> they did not look good then. And they do have to come to Tuscaloosa. Um, we'll, we'll see how that, that goes. I'm sure they're going to want to try to make up for what happened at the end of last year when yes. they come to Tuscaloosa. So, uh, so I think they're going to put them at three, and then I'll put Georgia at four. Okay. I like that. I've got Florida at four. Okay. And that's because I'm scared of them. <laughs> we don't play them, so there's not a chance to sweep them. But we talked a lot about how everybody else in the lineup had to be better last year besides Lorenz and Lindemann. Right. I'm wondering if losing Lorenz is going to kind of free up a lot of the the uh, the rest of the order. People are going to say, well, now we have to do it because right. Lorenz is not there to pick up our slack. That can happen, I for wonder sure. if yeah. her departure will raise the level of Jordan Roberts, Jamie Hoover, all those other players. Side note, bringing in two of the top three recruits in the country. Sure. Yeah, you know they're always going to have good players coming in there. I'm going to put Florida at five. You got Florida at five? Yeah. Okay. I think uh, I struggle with five because I, I like Tennessee a bit, but I've got South Carolina. Really? Yes. Okay. They bring back Kayla Jotar. They've got most of the offense back. I just think that's a team that's going to be a little bit pesky. And also, big factor, Kelsey O will be back and healthy. Yeah. She was not healthy pretty much all last season. And I think there's a lot of different wild cards in the conference. Ole Miss is a wild card. Kentucky's a wild card. Uh, Arkansas could be a wild card. There, that, there's a bunch. A lot of those teams are going to help decide who wins the conference. Yes. You know, who who is the team that Texas A&M is able to steal one or, one or two games from or an Auburn or somebody like that? from the top that you know you weren't you weren't expecting them to beat that they're going to beat and that's going to be the the difference in who wins the league do you have a most fascinating team of 2020 mine is arkansas for sure because how does the half storms combo look the third time around yeah and again how does mary half play remember she at some point tore her ACL and didn't play right. in the NCAA tournament. Again, news to us when it right. was announced after Arkansas was eliminated. But how did those two look together again with such varying styles mm. in the circle? Is Mary Aff ready to start at the beginning of the season? You know, ACLs can take a long time. Yeah. There's no tightrope procedure for the ACL. No. Like the high ankle sprain for Tua. <laughs> Tua will be back for LSU. Yes, Tua will be fine. Everything's yes. fine. What about you? You have somebody you're really just excited to see? <sighs> I, I'm kind of interested to see what happens with Ole Miss. Okay. You know, they're they're that team that they've now they've established themselves as they are a team that should be talked about in the conference every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they they were able to get some wins last year. They were able – where did they end up? I can't – I'm trying to think. Arizona. They went to that's Tucson right. yeah, as yeah, the yeah. 11 seed. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's – Which is great. Right. Well above expectations. And they've got Can you maintain? my girl, Molly Jacobson, back. Of course. You know, and we and we get to squeeze it in the press box and watch her. <laughs> Two, maybe three times. Uh, yeah. Real excited about that. Yeah, I'm going to have to suck it in the whole time. <laughs> We're sitting there on that row. You're going to have to have a smaller board than usual. <laughs> Be a note card. That's our way too early SEC top fives. And now, Tom. Yes. Oh, boy. It's time for Off the Wall. Mm. We've had a couple months to gather information of right. what the crazies are saying out there on social media. And not even not even really about softball. Just yeah. people saying stuff. <laughs> just just general stuff. Uh, that my thing, my favorite, I know I don't know if you which ones you've had marked down, but uh there's somebody that keeps 
responding to yes. things that happen from the softball program. And his response is, learn to hit. <laughs> okay. I don't know if you noticed. We're pretty good at hitting. Go to the fall ball game. Bailey yeah. Hemphill would like to show you something. The Bailey Hemphill led the nation in RBIs last year, set an Alabama record for both home runs and runs driven in. The hitting was not an issue. Hitting was good. <laughs> they have learned to hit. You don't have to tell them to do it anymore. <sighs> it's ridiculous. Do you yeah. have anything else? <laughs> that and then um, as we venture off of softball and just general craziness on on the on the twitter i'm rubbing my hands uh, yes. together in excitement for this one <laughs> yeah so uh okay so if you are if you make a outlandish statement about alabama football and then alabama football fans respond to your outlandish statement with facts and figures on how alabama has dominated your favorite team or football in general or things like that and your response is, ah, got him. I made him <laughs> respond to me. You didn't get him. You don't understand what getting him is. We are not got. <laughs> no. We actually got you. You're right. With our knowledge. <laughs> It'd be one thing if, if, if the Alabama fans were saying, no, we, you, we're the best and you just suck. That, that, that's not what people are saying. People are actually will put out Alabama's record over the past 10 years against this particular team or things like that. And they are actual facts and figures because Alabama has been the most dominant team over the past decade and 150 years of college football in yeah. general. That that is not that is not Alabama being insecure about their place. No, we're actually very secure about it. That's why we're we're willing to uh, to brag about it. Yes, we feel very good. Right, and you know what this all started with? Well, Georgia had the lights first. <sighs> Georgia had the lights first because they had a home night game first. Alabama and Georgia pretty much put the lights in at the same time. Mm -hmm. And first of all, who cares? Right? <laughs> Why right. does that matter? I've <laughs> look. I'm not jumping out saying, "Hey, Alabama have the lights first, so we only us we right. can only do it." In five years, everyone is going to have those lights. Yes, it's it's like Wisconsin right now is making an argument and sending letters to Illinois and Ohio State. Because Wisconsin football has gone on the road and lost the last two weeks to Illinois and Ohio State. And they feel offended that those two opponents played jump around to celebrate the upset. <laughs> you wow. don't own that song, Wisconsin, right. just like Georgia and, frankly, Alabama, too. Y'all don't own the lights. Who cares who did it right. first? Everyone's going to do it. Everyone <laughs> does it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Why are we fighting about it? But also, if that's right. your basis for Georgia's better than Alabama, go away. <laughs> right. <laughs> Electricity does not determine the better football program or better anything. No. Unless you're GE. <laughs> right. The the fact that you have that Georgia has not defeated Alabama on the football field since 2007 is what makes Alabama better than Georgia. Yes. And second and 26. Not flashing red lights. Right. My favorite was at some point an Alabama fan asked this Georgia fan who's making the deal about the lights who hurt them. And to my <laughs> response was Tua. Tua. And, and Jalen in the second half last year in, in the SC championship game. Backup quarterbacks. Really. Backup quarterbacks. Yeah, right. And then another response was third, third string quarterbacks because South Carolina, what they did to them. And man, South Carolina's turned out to be 
god awful. They are not good. And they beat Georgia. There was a time where it looked like Clemson, South Carolina might be in might be a contender to be a primetime game mm. instead of the Iron Bowl. Yeah, that no. ship sailed. <laughs> no. That ship sailed. Yeah. Real quick. And anyone that talks about Alabama's schedule and is fine and has an issue with Alabama's strength schedule, but is somehow fine with Clemson's strength of schedule, you I, I don't have any time for you. No. I don't. As we've devolved this this segment, but that's fine. Hey, it's okay. Stuff needed to be said. It, yeah, and the, it has been. This said. is all we're. This is all, our only talking time during <laughs> right. football season. That's true. So might as well dive in. One hundred percent. I will take it back to softball. For you, did you have something off the wall softball? Oh yes. Related? Okay. Good. It is. Looking forward to it. Okay. So I read. Now look, people weren't commenting this mean spiritedly. They were just misinformed. People on certain message boards that I read were saying. If Montana Fouts makes Team USA, Alabama's season is done. That there's no way that they can hold a candle to what they could be with her on the roster. And again, all credit to Montana. Trust me, we both love her. She's great. We saw the pumpkin that she carved earlier today. She's awesome. Right. Multi-talented. Yes. yes. But y'all, this narrative that Montana is what will determine the success of Alabama for the next three years has got to go because the roster talent, especially this year, the roster talent, if Montana got hurt, God forbid for two weeks again, this upcoming year, I would not be concerned at all No, because the roster is so deep. The pitching staff is so deep. Montana is a cog in a very impressive clock, but if that cog broke down, that doesn't mean the clock would stop. Right. And, you and I both, we both love Courtney Geddens and what, yes. she, what she brought to this team uh, and how, how admirably she filled in during the time when Montana Fouts was hurt last year. Yes. But if that had been a season-ending injury for Montana Fouts, Alabama does not win the conference. Right. In, if, that's, if that was a situation with Courtney Geddens. If, if something were to happen this year similarly or if Montana Fouts had made Team USA, I think Alabama would still have been the, the uh, favorite to win this conference because – you would have been replacing Montana Fouts with Lexi Kilfoyle right. instead of adding to Montana Fouts with Lexi Kilfoyle. Right. Now, again, Alabama's not better without Montana Fouts. Surely to goodness, no. But it, do, it would not be the end of the season had if you did not have Montana Fouts. Yeah, that's my off the wall. Like If, if, if yeah. something went down, look, my, my, my main point is Montana Fouts is not the end-all, be-all of Alabama Team 24. Right. Alabama 2020 does not revolve around Montana. She's important, trust me. But if she doesn't pitch well or has a couple bad games, that does not mean it's time to throw everything off the cliff like some people have been suggesting. Correct. Yes. That's our off the wall. There you go. It will get a lot spicier, folks, <laughs> when 2020 rolls around. Especially with this this slate, the schedule oh. that Alabama plays. I'm so excited to lose a game to Florida State. And well, people just well, freak out. I don't know if excited to... Okay, well, I'm not excited right. to lose, but right. I'm excited for... Look, the schedule's too hard. Alabama's not going 33 now. Yeah. It's not happening. So when that first loss happens, somebody's going to lose their minds. Someone's going to say something dumb. Yep, and I'll have my notes <laughs> ready to go on the iPhone. So, copy and paste. All right. So remember, everyone, before you hit send, just know Gray's watching you. Yes. And if you are coming into Tuscaloosa next year at all, maybe you want to know some places to keep an eye on in terms of eating. Oh, yeah. And for that, we go to the Tom's Hungry segment, Tuscaloosa edition. Oh, wow. So we've never done this. No. 
But Tom, maybe a place or two in Tuscaloosa that you really love. Sure. What well, do you think? And again, and first time listeners, this is a, a segment that we do after road series usually where yes. we talk about the uh, local places that we went to on the road and, and who had the best food and things of that nature. Uh, and then somehow it became, because I like to eat three times a day, I'm always hungry. <laughs> so so somehow Tom's hungry became a, a thing, uh, thanks to Nathan Sheehan. But I would say just for Tuscaloosa-centric places, I'm always a fan of Wings Bombhauer's. Yes. I don't think you can go wrong with that. The cheesy fries are just our, our bomb, as the kids say. I think the kids say that. I've said it a couple okay. times. All right, good. Yeah. Uh, so that can't go wrong there. All bunch of different wings and elsewhere with wings, Buffalo Fills and downtown. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the strip is always very good. And then it's not Tuscaloosa only there. It's it's a uh, it's a chain uh, that is in other places in the conference. But I was so excited and have still been excited now that they have one here in Tuscaloosa. Can't go wrong with cookout. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes. If, <laughs> look, if you look at the clock and, oh, no, it's past 10 o'clock, right. cookout. What could possibly be open? Oh, cookout. Cookout. Yes. And there will be a line, actually. Yeah, right. 100% there will be a line. I agree with that. Yeah. I'll what, go, what, are some, what are some of yours as a still a student at the University of Alabama that uh, that pop out for you? I lo- all right. So if I'm, if I'm not paying, we're going to Chuck's. <laughs> okay, right. Yes. That, yeah, well, sure. If I'm not paying. I will say I do love going to Taco Mama. Now, the line is crazy some days, mm-hmm. but really good Mexican food. I've got good margaritas. Great place to go and hang out. I'm also a fan of the cookout, of course. And look, if you want to just stop by and get some messy fries from Quick Grill out on the strip, that's always a good spot, too. You can sit on the picnic tables, enjoy Whatever's going on out there. There'll be people watching for sure to be had. Yes. And, you know, if you just want some good old-fashioned bar food, Innisfree is also yeah. great. There you go. I'm a big fan. I mean, there. look, Tuscaloosa is getting better with food. Yeah. We're still missing some breakfast places. Babe's is great. But we need a couple more. We need a couple more local pizza spots. We've got a couple too many chains, although the new Mellow Mushroom is great. Yep. yep. But... Tuscaloosa is getting there. Yeah, yeah we're not quite Baton Rouge, but we're getting there. That's uh, yeah. Yes, to be to be sure. But yeah, there, there's some I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, hooligans is always good. Yes, uh, it's you know Greek food if you like that. I'm trying to think, I I like sushi, but I'm trying to think what are what are the best non-chain sushi places in in Tuscaloosa? I guess Asian rock yeah. and roll sushi is okay. Yeah, so yeah, you're going to be able to find whatever. Uh, type of food you want and odds are it will be good right so yes. i'm i i think we've given given some good spots yeah so if you go to any of these places tell them the out of the box boys sent you and yeah. they'll say what <laughs> they'll say what so basically you should just tell us you're going and we'll meet you there yeah exactly and you know if, if you you're paying for it yes it, it, most importantly <laughs> because gray is a college student and i work in radio so yeah. neither one of us have money <laughs> So now that's how we cap it. <laughs> that is the out of the box fall ball special. What fun! Ah, it was good to talk softball. Yeah, again. that was fun, and and to do it while basking in the glow of our jewels. <laughs> right. Yes. Hopefully, we'll be looking to get some more of those. Yes, and I've already tweeted a picture from my account. Have you tweeted from your account? And if so, where can these folks find it? Uh, well, I need to tweet it. I've, I've put it on Facebook, but I have not tweeted it. So I will do that soon. Uh, at T Canterbury RTR. At T Canterbury C A N T E R B U R Y 
RTR on the Twitter. Yes, totally unbiased. Totally, it. totally unbiased. Uh, as you will look and see me arguing with Georgia people that are somehow that think that the, because they have lights, <laughs> congratulations. We've all had lights since. I mean, Wrigley Field had lights in the eighties. So exactly what Edison. Right. 100%. This is the most important thing. We got to make sure we can have night football. <laughs> if you want to see the picture that I tweeted of my Robertson ring for the SEC championship, you can go to my Twitter at gray underscore Robertson. Uh, the best part about these rings is it's got everybody's name, every player, every member of the sports staff, and we will show you those. I'm sure we've retweeted from various accounts some of the mm-hmm. other staff members who've received their rings. Yep. And we'll also tweet out more updates about the upcoming season because more news will come from our personal accounts as well as the show's account at out of the box underscore pod. Now, before we go, a special announcement. Oh, I've been waiting. I don't even know what this announcement is. Yes. I'm good. I'm, Are you excited? I'm bated breath. Okay. It's a long time from what day is it? Whatever day it is, it's a long time until February. It's 27th, I believe, of yes. October. When of October. We're not even Halloween and we're talking about softball. So <laughs> right. We have to do something to to spend the time until February mm-hmm. when Team 24 takes the field. And so, we have a special announcement. We will be releasing the top five Alabama moments of the year and our radio broadcasts to coincide with those moments, man. And there were, that's going to be hard to narrow down to five. I've got 11 nominees and there are more coming because we are still discussing. Should we put this uh, as a poll question on the out of the box underscore pod? I think we may have to Twitter account. I think if there is some tiebreak now, we were putting together a committee, a couple players on the team from last year, a couple coaches, the softball support staff group text will be involved, but mm. this is going to be difficult. And we will release that probably every couple of weeks or so before the season starts. Wow. Very excited to hear, yes. hear those. Do you have, do you have one in mind that you would hope to make the list? Well, I, I think definitely the first inning against Florida and Oklahoma city. <laughs> Was that when, uh, when Mary Schroeder hit a three run home run on Kelly Barnhill's last meaningful pitch of her career. I, I, I seem to remember that. Yes. yes. <laughs> and the fact that not that inning, but I, during that game, I was able to say the phrase and Alabama leads Florida by a score of 15 to nothing. <laughs> that was fun. Um, I think that's gotta be, and, and I would love to hear, uh, just, I think my favorite, I was thinking about this today for some reason, actually my favorite, just call that, that we had not, postseason but during the regular season may have been bailey Hempill's home run onto the pitching lab at florida it was good stuff yeah that was good stuff onto the pitching lab and in, in which your response was that experiment failed <laughs> that made my blooper and great moments list which is good <laughs> uh so i think those can be on there i mean there were so many i mean the final inning against lsu to clinch the sec championship in baton rouge uh, can be in there, um, man. And that I'm just trying to think of regular season. And there's, it's almost like you should do a top five regular season and top five postseason. We may have to. I don't know. There's plenty to do. We'll talk with the voting committee. Right. Striking See out Abby Cheek in in that was my SEC championship. That was my favorite tournament. I mean. Non Texas call when I was doing play by play. So right. I went back and listened to it, and. I, that might have been the most excited I sounded all year <laughs> because, oh my gosh, Sarah Cornell just struck out Abby Cheek, right. who, by the way, never made it to Oklahoma City, which I think is a crime. We might yeah. talk about that at some point next year. But Wow. Yeah. Best players never to play in Oklahoma City is definitely yeah. a, 
discussion point. Maybe that'll be a mailbag question we get. Either way, that's coming up in the next couple months from out of the box underscore pod. I'll be looking forward to those as much as anybody else. Yes, me too. It's always a fun listen to go back and hear us lose our minds. (laughs) (laughs) The one thing that uh, Coach Murphy told us as he was giving us our rings is that you know he loved our reactions in the booth as much as anything. The GoPro cam, yeah. blessing and a curse. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, that's it for us here on the fall ball episode of the podcast. Softball season just around the corner. Are you excited? Ah, if, <laughs> could we just close our eyes and open them up and it'd be February. And hopefully by then, Tua's won us another national championship. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, yeah, first of all, Tua, get well so we can beat LSU. And then, uh, although I've, Mac Jones could beat LSU. Mac Jones filling a, he is the Courtney Gettens of Montana Fouts of Good Bull of Hawaii. Of Hawaii of this of backup quarterback. <laughs> right. 100%. I, I don't know if anybody else, but I totally know what he's talking about. Yeah, another deep cut. <laughs> deep, deep cut. We will be back with our official season two premiere in February to get you ready for the 2020 season. Team 24. Here. I'm excited. Now, it's going to take me a minute to get used to saying Team 24 right. instead of Team 23, but... That day will come. It'll be. Yes. Until then, for my partner, Tom Canterbury, I'm Gray Robertson saying so long. We will see you next time here on Out of the Box.